Hey guys, my guest tonight, author Sylvia Schultz, would be on hand to talk about another visit to Peoria State Hospital and some scary Christmas stories. I'll be right back. Grab your popcorn and snacks, find a comfy spot, take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust, turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thursday, two more days of the weekend. I got a quick announcement to make. Let me uh, push my little buttons here. Got it. First try, everything good. Uh, got a great, got a first announcement to make. It's tomorrow evening, uh, being Friday. After the show, I will be live on TikTok, and hopefully, some of you guys have a TikTok account. I will be live on TikTok, putting together a uh, gingerbread house live on TikTok. So if you're into that sort of thing, you just want to have some relax and watch somebody else do it instead of you, come on over to TikTok tomorrow morning or tomorrow evening, and that's California Haunts on TikTok, okay? And check it out, because I'm going to be building a gingerbread house. Okay, my name is Charlotte. I forgot to do that, didn't I? And I'm going to be your host for the next hour. I'm also the proud owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team based out of Sacramento, California. We are 45 strong up and down the state, which means we can help you. Now, California is a big state, okay? And yeah, we are like Hawaii. We have beaches, we have surfers, you know, that whole ballgame going on. But we have a North Coast and a South Coast. So the North Coast is kind of cooler than the South Coast, but we do have that. So that's huge. All right, California can become its own state. It can break away from the Union and become its own country. because that, That's how big it is. So we're talking coastline. We're talking mountains. We're talking high desert, low desert. We're talking a lot of rural areas, a lot of farming. So like I said, even though we have people in big cities or smaller cities, it may take us a couple of days to get to you. In that case, we do have uh, psychics on staff who are more than willing to phone you and talk to you about what may or not be going may or not be going on in your place, business, or home. And in most cases, they can calm the energy down until we can get out there. And it only takes us maybe two, three days to respond. Okay. That being said, where to find us? You can find us on Facebook under California Haunts, California Haunts Radio. California Haunts Ghostly Events. You can find us under Sacramento Sears, S-E-E-R-S. You can find it under my name. Okay, you can find us on Instagram under Ghosty Gal, all lowercase. You can find us again on TikTok at California Haunts. California Haunts on, on Meetup. I'm sorry, on Twitter. I do this every time. California Haunts on Twitter. Cal Haunts on Twitch. And the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team on Meetup.com. So you can find us there as well. So, uh, yeah. I also have a blog that I've I have restarted. I, I have so you're going to be uh, getting notices about my blog and, and all that. The other news I have today is that I am uh, the California Haunts Radio website is going to be back up and running. We had some difficulties with it, and uh, uh, I've figured all that out and gotten over all that. So that's going to be up and running. And Nancy Matz and I have an event coming up on the 17th of this month for Solstice. 
we're gonna we are offering readings solstice readings you know solstice is out with the old and in with the new look to the future she's gonna do readings on whatever whatever you want if it's old news if, you know if it's old stuff that's great if it's if it's if you want to see the future and what might be coming or she'll do that too or maybe somebody you know one of your relatives might pop in while she's doing the reading that's you know that 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 that's cool too so we're going to be doing that that'll be sunday um december 17th at 7 p.m after i do the show after i do my, my sunday show or i might go early with the sunday show but either way it's after the sunday show so we're going to be doing that special and that's a special reading a solstice and that's only going to be open to 10 people so i will have a website i will have it up on the, at the meetup site i'm also going to put it on the california hunts radio website and I'll start uh, getting that up probably late tonight so you guys have access to it or tomorrow sometime. Okay. So you guys have, have access to that page. All right. This being said, tonight's guest, I haven't uh, talked to this lady in a long time, but we have been reading her books. Boy, have we been reading her books. Uh, I think I think we read a couple online. And we also, this Christmas book that I'm reading <laughs> with all the creepy stories in it, this came from her. And this is the second year in a row that we're reading this book because I think it's such an excellent book. And I was really excited to get her back on. Um, first time we had her on, we talked about the Peoria State Hospital. And since then, she has made another trip over there. And so she's got some new, some extra info to tell us about that. So I'm going to bring her on. Her name is, excuse me, oh, her name is Sylvia Schultz. And uh, I think you're going to like her. Here we go. Charlotte, hi. How are you? I am fantastic. How are you? I'm good. It's been a long time. It has been. It's been a hot minute. <laughs> it's been a hot minute. Every time I think of you, I think of people being buried alive in the snow. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Then I've done my job. <laughs> that's the one I don't forget. I mean, that's the one that sticks in my head. That, that whole book that you wrote, you know, Krampus and all that. I think about the people that they buried in the box in the snow for like, what, was it six, seven months? Wow. The Vermont Resurrections, yes. That's crazy. Reanimating people. Oh, my God. I can kind yeah. of understand it, though. I can kind of understand it because back then when winter hit, there were no crops. Food got low, you know. Why they have were doing what? what they could. <laughs> Why have extra mouths to feed? Yeah, I learned about that. I learned about that when I was in grade school. There was there was a, a book that I read at my grandmother's house in grade school, and it had the Vermont resurrection stories in it, and yeah. it just blew my mind. It has stuck with me ever since. <laughs> well, it stuck with me. Oh, one more thing I forgot to do. I got a couple do donations last night, and I want to thank you all. Uh, Michelle Engel, thank you so much for your donation. And one of my good friends uh, put in a nice donation last night, so I appreciate that. Every little bit helps to keep us on the air. We're still here four years later because of you guys. So thank you. Yay, All right, I'll shut you. up now. Get back, get back <laughs> to my good friend Sylvia. Now let's talk about that book really quick before we get into Peoria because this book, this, this book fascinates me. You heard that story when you were a kid. How yes. did you find all these other stories? I mean, is the stuff you heard about, or did, did you have to do research, you know, magazine, do newspapers and things like that to find this stuff? Or because there's a lot in there. There is a lot in there. I read a lot of ghost story books and I pick the best ones to retell for my books. Um, I also get stories from other places too. I was visiting a friend in Plymouth, Massachusetts, and I took a ghost tour around Plymouth. And this was in June. 
and the 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 person who was leading the tour the tour guide hey there we go the the tour guide said started telling a story and she said something about christmas eve 1778 and i said wait a second did you say christmas eve and she said yes i said go on with your story <laughs> so i collected that that's one of my all-time favorites that's the uh the um um wreck of the general arnold the brig general yes. arnold general so Arnold. so that's a super super fun super gross story. <laughs> That's one, one of my favorites from that story. That's one of my top. So sad. Well, the one I find so sad, but it's so good, is the one about the soldier who comes to the cabin to, to, to visit his girlfriend. And he's, he's a oh, scout. Yeah, for yeah. 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 And he gets it. Yeah. That's really sad. That's a good one. They're all good in there. Everyone, yeah, you know, every one of those stories is very melancholy. Yeah. Very melancholy, but very, very cool. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I bet that kept you in the holiday moods, huh? It did, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything I saw that that happened in December or or Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, and yes. yeah, that when I was writing about the um, the tragedies of Christmas, that was a really hard um, hard chapter to write. I left that till the last, <laughs> and um, you'll you'll get a kick out of this um, because you're a paranormal investigator just like I am, right? Um, like I said, I left that that section till last because I was writing about the Babswitch school fire. I was writing about the disappearance of the Sodder children. I was right. writing about um, Pearl Harbor, all these horrible things that happened in December. So I knew it was going to be really tough. So I said, I started off the weekend. I was like, all right, I'm going to power through this, this section of the book. And I wrote all day on Saturday. And by Saturday night, I had a, a pounding headache and I had nightmares all night. I'm like, man, I can't do this. I gotta, I gotta get this book finished and get it off mm -hmm. to the publisher. So I went to my ghost hunting kit and I got out my chunk of black tourmaline mm -hmm. and I had it on my desk as I was doing my research. And when I went to actually write the stuff, I had it in my left hand as I was writing stuff out with my right hand and no nightmares, no headache. I was able to power through that that section just fine, and it was all due all down to that black tourmaline, keeping away that negative that. energy. I can't imagine that because you know I I, I work with Anna Maria Manalo. You know, who was just on the other night, and we were talking about that. How the last book she wrote, she had visitors, you know, come in off that book, just from just just from being uh, oh, wow. talking to the guy that because she, she worked with a ghost hunter. I think that was the one she worked with a ghost hunter on that book. I think. Not positive, but mm -hmm. one of those books she did, she she had visitors follow her from wherever you know that story was. So I can understand that. Oh wow! I've done videos here where, you know, just just videos on just ghost hunts where everything goes wrong, audio goes wrong, you know, things go flying off the desk, and <laughs> so I know I brought someone home that doesn't want to be known. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's energy out there, and sometimes we can bring it with us. Yeah, used uh -huh. to be fun. Anyway, I just want to let you know how much I enjoy that book. Thank I read you. it even when I'm not on the air because I, I love it so much. <laughs> well, I am just thrilled that you're reading it on the air. That's so great. So let's talk about Pe Peoria State Hospital a little bit. Can you tell everybody about that a little bit? The, one, the people that haven't heard that story or don't know about that hospital yet. 
Yeah, yeah. So when I was working on my very first book of true ghost stories, um, people would come up to me and they, they knew I was a writer and I work at a library, have for 26 years. And they would say, well, what are you working on now? And I would say, well, I'm working on a book of true ghost stories. And they said, oh, have you heard about the Peoria State an abandoned mental asylum in Bartonville, Illinois. And I said, oh boy, you had me at abandoned. <laughs> and you know what? I, I started learning about it and learning about the ghost stories and learning about the history too. I've been a history buff all my life. I really believe that you can't understand the ghost stories of a place without knowing the history because that's why we have the stories is this lived experience. And you know, Charlotte, you say haunted mental asylum and your mind goes all American horror story on you and you assume that there was abuse and it is my privilege and it is my joy to tell people this was not the case at the Peoria State Hospital. This was a place where the patients were treated like family. This was a place where they were cared for. Dr. Ziller was very adamant about caring for people. That was his that was his bedrock philosophy is that an asylum is a place where he 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 wrote about this fine old word asylum, which is a place where you come to get help. So I'm so proud to be able to show share that history. That is really good because you're right. You know, when people think about those places, they do think about like like that movie, The Snake Pit. You know, different places like that. I mean, that's yeah, that comes to mind. exactly. Yeah, yeah, so, and it's uh, it's such a joy to know that there was a place out there that was not like that 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 was staffed and run by compassionate people who really wanted to help their fellow man. So, why do you think there's ghosts there then? Oh, I believe, I know, <laughs> I believe it. I know that there are ghosts there because of the good treatment they got during their life. I mean, these were people that may have been in other institutions. They may have been abused in other institutions. They may have been wandering around the streets of their hometown, misunderstood by their family, misunderstood by their friends, not cared for by anyone. And then they show up on the hilltop and they're escorted to their own room with their own bed, with clean white sheets. And there are, there are movies every Friday night and parties, every dances every Saturday night. And there's a sense of community. There's, you have, breakfast and lunch in your cottage with your fellow patients. And then you have supper with everyone else in a big dining hall. There's a real sense of community there. So yeah, that, that's why the spirits are there is because they found a home in life. And that sense of home has carried over after death. And that is why they're, that's why they congregate there is because that's a place where they felt safe, that they felt loved. So it's kind of like the old adage or ghost that I see as a ghost hunter is it's a place, you know, it's essentially a place where, where they were comfortable and they enjoyed themselves, you know, and so they want to keep staying there or going back there over and over. Oh yeah. Thousand percent. <laughs> so you went back a second time. 
because you wrote the first book. And you went back <laughs> yes. yes, yes. When I wrote the end on the first book, Fractured Spirits, people didn't stop having experiences. So after a few years, I, I kept going back and I kept talking with people and people kept sharing their experiences with me. And I kept having my own experiences there. And I eventually had enough material for a second book, which is called Fractured Souls. So, yeah. And um, the this history of this place continues and the historians are working every single day. And they keep sharing stories with me. And, oh, my gosh, I love that cover. I love that cover so hard. One of the historians put that, put that uh, cover together for me with the volunteers, the historian volunteers. They, they posed for the pictures. And, uh, yeah, I love that cover so much. Um, that is really cool. Yeah, I, yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, I, 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 other people shared their stories with me, their experiences. And of course, I went back many, many times and had my own experiences there. The cool thing about fractured souls is that if th there's a QR code in the back of the book, and if you hover your phone over that, you can, th there's a chapter in the back of the book that is a walking tour of the hilltop. This, uh, this asylum, this whole, this, this whole hilltop, this was put together in the early 1900s. So it was before cars. So the hilltop was designed to be very, very walkable. There are photographs of Dr. Zeller with 200 patients behind him that he would lead them on walks all through this this hilltop around these winding beautiful roads and there are that he would take the male patients on walks he would take the female patients on walks and as they walked he would listen to them he would say what do you like about being here what can we change how can we help you how can we make your life better and can you imagine being a female patient in a mental asylum at the beginning of the 20th century, women couldn't even vote at that time. And you have the head of this institution asking you your opinion on your care. Wow. It's astounding. Yeah. So anyway, there's there's a chapter in the at the end of the book that is a walking tour of the hilltop. I start at the original building, the first building that was built on the hilltop which is the firehouse and that that still stands so i start at the firehouse i go down the street and around the corner and i point out all the haunted hot spots and tell a little bit about the history and if you hover over this qr code i also did a recording of this so you can use it as a walking tour you can use it as a driving tour you can have me on your speakers telling you about this <laughs> or you can read the book and you can read my words as you're walking around so it's it's really a full service full service book <laughs> now originally this hospital was huge because from you know from my understanding from you know reading the history on the hospital there's a lot of buildings missing from what was originally there right because I find yes there were 63 buildings on the hilltop right. yeah 
And what are those buildings yeah, doing exactly? Yeah. Um, at the buildings, at well, there were four hospitals, and the hospitals served not only the patients of the asylum, not only the, the asylum population, but they also served the underprivileged population of the entire area, Bloomington, or not Bloomington, uh, Peoria, Pekin, um, as far away as Galesburg, Hannah City, um, Marquette Heights, all these places that had people that couldn't afford to go to the big hospitals in Peoria, they came to the Peoria State Hospital and got physical care as well as mental care or instead of mental care. These hospitals were designed to care for everyone that needed it. Um, so there are 12 buildings left of those 63. And those, it wasn't that there were 63 buildings on the hilltop all at the same time there were buildings that were uh that were that were put up and then outlived their usefulness and were other building was put up so there were a total of 63 buildings okay. and then when the asylum closed in 1973 some of those buildings were lost some of them were torn down because the stigma of mental illness was so great then that the city of Bartonville really tried to repurpose these buildings, but sometimes they simply weren't able to. And the state of Illinois had them torn down because either that they wanted the land for something else or they just weren't able to repurpose the buildings. A lot of them did get repurposed, though. We do still have 12 buildings left. So um, some of those are, one of the men's cottages is now the Peoria State Hospital Museum, which is awesome. That's a fantastic museum. I actually write about that museum in my new book, Gone on Vacation, which is haunted zoos, museums, and amusement parks. <laughs> oh, cool, 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 cool. Yeah. Another yeah. one for me to get. Yeah, I gotta get that one now too. Oh, people have been devouring it. That's people have been have been emailing me and texting me to talk about their experience reading that, and that is the word that keeps coming up over and over. I devoured this book, which makes me so happy. <laughs> That's awesome. So, tell me about you know the ghosts that you have encountered at the hospital. Oh boy, well, um, one of my favorite spirits, one of the, the spirits that is very dear to my heart, is the spirit of a young man named Christopher Peterson. Uh -huh. He lived in, um, he grew up in Indiana, and this is all things that have been told to me by a psychic medium over the years. He grew up in Indiana, and he developed tuberculosis. And with that, he was sent to the tuberculosis hospital at the Peoria State Hospital. That's why he was there, not because he had mental issues, but because of his tuberculosis. And I met him in the basement of the Pollock Hospital, which is the former tuberculosis hospital. The land on which that hospital sits on the hilltop started off as a tent colony for the care of tuberculosis patients. That's the hospital that Chris would have known. 
because that started at the very beginning of the hospital's history in 1902 when it opened. TB was a scourge on the hilltop ever since the very day they opened. So they put up tents to provide the tuberculosis patients with fresh air. And Chris has told me through psychic mediums that he remembers being in these tent hospitals and that it was very warm next to the stove in the wintertime. But if you were away from the stove, it was kind of cold because they had these, the, the, the canvas sides of the tent rolled up so that the patients could get fresh air. So he remembers that. And I made a friend <laughs> with him because he, he told us that the, the last year he remembers is 1906. So um, when, I, when I came in, oh, the psychic medium said that Chris, I mentioned that there were parties every Saturday night, dances every Saturday night. He mentioned to us that he could hear, he loved to dance in life. Mm -hmm. And he could hear the dancing, the music from the other cottages but he wasn't allowed to go and join these dances because he was, he had tuberculosis. So he was in quarantine. So he was really upset about not being able to join the dances. So the next time I went to the Pollock hospital, I recorded some ragtime music on my phone, figuring that was his era. That would be the music he was familiar with. Uh -huh. So I played that on my phone and the medium who was with me, facilitating these conversations she said she started laughing and she said he's doing something with his hands on his knees back and forth and i said oh wait he's doing the charleston <laughs> <laughs> which i thought was just great and then That's when the awesome. song ended yeah when the song ended he said no one's ever done that for me before Aww. No one had brought music in for him to listen to. And it had been a century and more. It had been 120 years since he'd heard a ragtime tune. And I was the one who who played that for him. Uh -huh. And um, the next time I came in, I, I went to the library where I work. And we have a series, a DVD series of old-fashioned dances. And we had a ragtime dvd with ragtime dances and i taught myself a ragtime dance and i offered to dance with him and he absolutely loved that he was so pleased wow. that i had taken the time and i brought this music in and we danced together and we had a really really wonderful time and chris is chris is very dear to my heart when we were having one of our conversations through the psychic medium I said, okay, Chris, now, if you're not allowed to tell me this, I understand. But I said, what, what is heaven like? And he said, well, when you get here, I'll be waiting for you. Just look for the tall kid with the dark brown hair, dark curly brown hair. And I thought to myself, my goodness, that is one of the nicest things anyone has ever said to me. <laughs> wow. Just to know that there's someone waiting for me. I mean, 
I know my loved ones are waiting for me, but to have someone say to me through a medium, when you get here, I'll be waiting for you. was just That's so awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. Now, when you get a name, you know, with, with the psychic medium out there, because obviously you, you know, you're, you're working close with the history department. Are you able to verify that he was a patient there and all that through, through the history department? Sometimes. Um, we, the historians have a book that we call the Book of the Dead. And that is a roster of the names of all the people that were, well, about 75% of the people that were buried on the hilltop. We know which person is buried in which grave. The graves are mostly numbered, well, marked with numbers because of privacy concerns. But there, there were meticulous records kept. Now, Chris was actually sent home on the train when he passed away to be buried in his family plot somewhere in Indiana. I, I have not been able to find out where he is buried or who his people were. I mean, Peterson, you can spell the name last name Peterson so many different ways. And I just have not, I did not have enough to go on. I do not know where he is buried, but boy, oh boy, would I love to find out and go visit his grave actually. But um, there have been other spirits on the hilltop that we have been able to put names to. Uh -huh. um, there, there is a spirit in the Pollock Hospital that we, we call, his nickname is Heavy Boots, because he really likes to run up on people and scare the pace out of them. That is his MO, is these heavy tromping footsteps coming at you down the hall. And people get really, really nervous when they hear these heavy footsteps approaching them in a dark hallway. I, I've got several stories of people who have been skunked by this that they, they, they really honestly think that it's a big angry guy marching towards them in the hallway and it turns out to be someone completely invisible it's this spirit that we call heavy boots and we the historians looked at this particular haunting and we realized that first of all this spirit likes to scare people that's why he runs on up on people with these heavy footsteps and the other thing is these incidents always happen late at night. So the historians started thinking about this. And um, they realized that the Pollock Hospital, along with the other three hospitals on the hilltop, was a working hospital, which meant that they were staffed 24-7 for the patient's care. This incident happened they, they found an incident that was noted in the local papers there were two patients there young men who were in the, the asylum for mental issues and they both developed very mild cases of tuberculosis so they were in the men's ward of the pollock hospital this was in the mid-1950s mm -hmm. and um there was one fellow 
that um, I'm trying to remember their names offhand. I would have to look them up. But there was one fellow who um, we'll call him James. He was he, he was in the hospital with this other fellow. We'll we'll call him Bill. And mm -hmm. James, for reasons known only to himself, like I said, both of these guys had mental health issues. James came up and picked up a broom and thwacked Bill across the back with it. Wow. Now, Bill took offense to this, as well he might. <laughs> so he picked, up, <laughs> he picked up the closest thing at hand, which was a floor polisher, and beat James to death with it. With a floor polisher. Wow. James was obviously not expecting this reaction. And here he is, dead, violently, very suddenly, which is a perfect recipe. So we have figured out that that's who Heavy Boots is, is this spirit, this young man who was beaten to death. Wow because of some rash action that he did to one of his fellow patients. So yes, sometimes we can put names to the spirits, which is the thing that fascinates me about history mm -hmm. and hauntings, is that sometimes you can figure out who these people are. <laughs> right. When you come in contact with someone yeah. like, like James, you know, do you feel sorry for them? You know, because the situation... The I do! They're, they're still there, right? Yes, yes. Well, I've done a lot of paranormal investigation all over the United States and, and, and in England, too. And I... There's a, a lot of times that I do feel sympathy and compassion for these spirits. Mm -hmm. I feel very glad for the spirits at the Peoria State Hospital because I know that they're in a place that they feel safe. Right. I do have compassion for people, for spirits that are in places that were not so nice, like um, the orphanage in Gettysburg, mm -hmm. the young spirits that are trapped there through absolutely no fault of their own. And that those are the spirits that I really do feel sorry for. Um, the, the, the plague victims in England, the little girl who died of the plague and is now attached to one of the dolls in the haunted museum, the Museum of Haunted Objects in Nottingham, England. Um, yeah, I, I feel sorry. I feel compassion for those spirits. Mm -hmm. With the spirits at the Peoria State Hospital, I just mostly feel happy because they have a place that they can go that they know that they're well mm -hmm. so is it just patients that are still roaming or are there hospital staff still there okay guys internet slow down here we go Do you hear me? yeah the, when i when i yeah okay when i'm doing when i'm doing my investigations there are there are spirits that I do feel very sorry for. And I, I tell them that because everyone wants to hear that. Everyone wants to feel that, you know what, there's not, there's somebody out there that 
is compassionate towards you, even if they don't know you. They feel sorry for this predicament that you're in, and they they're 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 sorry for your pain. And I want them to know that. So. Um, are there still, uh, you know, because obviously the patients are still there. What about the hospital staff? Do they still hang out there? Yes, this, the hospital staff does, does still hang out there. Um, there was a friend of mine who went to the hospital. Um, this was right after lockdown, COVID lockdown. Uh-huh. And we decided to... I, I was there just shortly after lockdown myself, and right. we both, we both decided to focus our investigation and our questions on the fact that we were also living through a pandemic, and we were investigating a tuberculosis ward. So we okay. figured that the spirits would really it, this would really resonate with them, and it did. Um, my friend James was recording and he said something about you're going to have to help us because we're we're going through a pandemic now and it's very much like what you went through and we are in quarantine and you need if you can help us in any way could you please help us and he got the evp we don't have any medicine wow yeah it was truly astonishing that they they are intelligent spirits and they want to help and they freely admit we we can't help you we don't have any medicine right now (laughs) so yeah it's really really fascinating um i do speak about the peoria state hospital quite often and i have been told by people in the audience who are sensitive that there is a nurse who shows up every time I talk about the Peoria State Hospital and um, is on the stage with me and people who are sensitive. I always say this when I'm giving my talks that if there are any sensitives in the audience, pay attention because there's a nurse who likes to attend my talks and and she will show up. She will be on stage with me. So if you see her, holla <laughs> and say hello. That's interesting. You know, I, I, I... I guess the employees like working there too, or they wouldn't be there. Or they're still helping the, you know, the, the, the people that had been there. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Dr. Zeller is still there. Dr. Zeller's still on the hilltop. I was giving a, a talk on the Peoria state hospital to a high school history class uh-huh. and the, the haunts, the, the haunted house that is up there every year makes great use of teenage volunteers and one of these young volunteers happened to be in this history class and he is sensitive and he said i was at the museum and i saw dr zeller sitting in his chair at the museum so dr zeller is still there and when they have their work days he will stand off to the side. I mean, he was the superintendent. He was the guy in charge. He's not going to muck in and and 
get his hands dirty and and help out with his these work parties he's sort of overseeing things but there are people who have seen him there are people that have felt his presence there and he is still keeping watch over his hospital he is still keeping watch over his patients and his staff and the volunteers these days he's still there and he's he's standoffish he keeps himself apart, but he's still very much there. He's still very much a part of what's going on on the hilltop. Do you think it's because, you know, he, well, we could say he loved his job so much helping people, or maybe he's still there to help people. Or maybe he feels it's unfinished work. I think he is there because he loved the place so much. Mm -hmm. Um there is, and I think he does still feel that he can still help the, the patients that are still hanging around there. There's a wonderful story about Dr. Zeller when he retired. Um, when he retired, he was approached by Mr. Bowen, whom the Bowen building was named, later named for. And Mr. Bowen was on the board of directors. And he, Dr. Zeller had had a small cottage on the grounds uh -huh. and then the um that was reserved there was a superintendent's cottage so when he was superintendent that's where he lived in the superintendent's cottage now the third floor of the bowen building which was the nurses classrooms and later became the administration building the third floor was apartments some of those apartments were for the use of people who were visiting their their relatives from out of town and some of those apartments were reserved for the doctors. Mm -hmm. Now, Mr. Bowen approached Dr. Zeller with the, with the proposition that Dr. Zeller and his wife, Sophie, would move into one of these apartments. And it took two tries, two conversations that, Dr., that Mr. Bowen had with Dr. Zeller. But in the second conversation, Zeller finally twigged to what was what Bowen was trying to tell him, and he said, "He said, wait, you you want me to live there in one of the apartments? You do you want me to stay on the hilltop? You want me to 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 stay here?" And Doc, Mr. Bowen said, "Yes, yes, we do. We love you. We want you here. We want you to stay on the hilltop, and we want you to stay with us instead of moving to Peoria or something." And Doctor Zeller, this this army man who who had a, a spine of steel and a stiff upper lip he was reduced to grateful tears at the thought that his staff and his patients still wanted him around wanted his presence around even though he had retired mm -hmm. so yes he he loved that hilltop and he is absolutely still there because he wants to be and he feels welcome that is really cool. That, yeah. Like you say, you know, you don't like, like you say, you don't get that in those, you tend not to get that in those, those types of hospitals. You tend right. to, you know, negativity. I mean, it's one worst? Like, no. Waverly? No. No, definitely not Waverly. <laughs> no. <laughs> the couple of the ones I've done around, around California, I mean, it's the same thing, right? I mean, it's oh, there you go. Yeah. They just didn't have that, you know. The, you know that type of love for a place like that to treat the patients decently. Yeah. What do you think? You know, um, 
when, when you go in there, is there any power in there when, when you're ghost hunting at all, or are you just in there in, in the black? I, I'm sorry, I didn't under. What what oh, do you mean you, by that? When you guys go into ghost hunt to check it out, is there power in yeah. the building, or are oh, you in there in the oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's power in the buildings. Yeah, um, we the way that the way things used to be run. Um, when I was volunteering quite often was that the lights in the building would be on and the ghost hunters would be taken through the tour would be taken through the entire building and stop at several points. And uh -huh. the historians and the volunteers would be there talking about some of the history. Okay. Death ward in the hospital, and then, then the actual ghost hunt proper would start, and then we would go lights out, and the only lights on would be in the the. Right. We're having some technical issues. Um, I'm on Xfinity here, and the problem is, is everybody else in my neighborhood is on X, on the same lines of Xfinity. And I know there's a lot of Republican debates and stuff going on right now, so I think it's causing issues, not to mention we've got some weather going on here, so you have to bear with us for this, for this thing. Okay, I may have to flip in and flip out here to get the internet back on track, so just hang in there with us. Okay, I'm going to flip right now. I'm going to flip out, but just hang there. I'm going to get her back on. All right, I'll bring her back. Hang on. Don't go anywhere anymore. Okay, I'm going to email her right now to get her back on real quick. I had to boot her out for a second. There she is. We're just trying to get this back. And yeah, okay. 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 I've moved to a different place in the room. So hopefully this will be better. This too is my whole neighborhood is Xfinity. And mm -hmm. when there's going on, like now the Republican debates and all that, everybody and their brother is online here. So. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I've, I'm on Xfinity that. too. So. Yeah. Well, so, hopefully this will work better. Yeah. So like you say, you guys, you guys do go through in the dark then at this hospital. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, when we go down into the basement in particular, it's requested by the volunteers and the people in charge of the haunt that we use flashlights with a red filter on them sure. because especially in the basement, for some reason, the spirits in the basement see a white light and they think it's oh go towards the light oh yeah which makes sense <laughs> the red light doesn't bother them but um people trying to send them away send them into the light uh -huh. and they they don't like that so they'll they'll kind of lie low but if you use a red flashlight a flashlight with a red filter they're fine with that now, here's a question. Now, most, you know, a lot of uh, spirits would want to go to that white light. Is it because they're just too comfortable where they're at? You know, they're, they're having this good old time there. That, that's what they don't want to leave. You think? I Yeah, I think that's part of it. I, I really do think that's part of it. And 
it seems to me with all the stories that I've heard about the Peoria State Hospital, that there are some spirits there that have, they've kind of kept their mental infirmities on the other side. Now we, we think of, now I, I don't know, <laughs> I, I'm sure I've been reincarnated several times, but I, I don't remember that. Yeah, Xfinity is having issues tonight. Yeah. They're healed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> we, we like to think that all of our infirmities are healed, but there are some spirits that I've encountered that that have not, that have kept their mental infirmities even in the afterlife. Okay. And oh, wow. I think they are they're scared of going. They're 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 terrified. They're they don't want to go. It's something unfamiliar. Okay. And we always say people are not allowed to, to try and cross spirits over at the Peoria State Hospital because, A, they're here because they're comfortable, because they feel safe, and who are we to tell them to go somewhere else? Uh -huh. And the other thing is... Okay, guys, just hang in. Hang in there. It's Xfinity, so just hang in there. I may have to... There we oh, are. There we We're back now. <laughs> Xfinity, you should be drawn and quartered. Kidding. <laughs> Give it a second. Probably a storm just came through. All right, guys, I'm going to back in. I'm going to back out and back back in. So just don't move. Don't anybody move. So here we go. Let's try this again. It is Xfinity having the. Hello, hello. Now it's just me. Where did you go, Charlotte? Well, Okay, hang on. Whoa, I lost her. All right. Here we go. Blank screen. Okay. It is Xfinity causing the issues because if she's got Xfinity, then yeah, Xfinity is probably overloaded right now. All right, we're back. <laughs> what I was going to add to all this, <laughs> you don't have to keep moving around. <laughs> it's Xfinity. I mean, that's just the way it is. And the lady yeah, can't speak. Yeah. Because these debates are going on, the later it gets, the worse it's going to get. But um, I, I I can understand that thing about them cool. not wanting to cross over. Well, the opera house uh, situation is that the fireman that was killed in the in the fire is still there, but also the gentleman that that started the fires is still there. So neither of them wants to cross over because the guy that started the fires is afraid to cross over, and the fireman, knowing that he's there, wants to make his his afterlife miserable. So he's there chasing him around so they don't cross over. <laughs> Y'all got to love Xfinity, you guys. <laughs> Y'all got to oh, love Xfinity. Alrighty. I paid my bill too. <laughs> 
you know what? I need to paint mine. Mine's not due yet. It's not due for another couple of days, but we are going to go down to the basement. Okay. You guys get to see my house behind me, but I'm going to where the, um, where the router is. Okay. We're going so on a trip, guys. Here we go. Now we're used to walking music, like, like David Letterman used to have his down music, and some walking music. And we're walking, and we're walking. All right, here we are. Okay. Okay. So. Continuing on. So like I said, um, I don't know if you heard that about the Woodland Opera House. What I no, said was that. Uh, when you talk about them, like, being leery to cross over, I can understand that. Situation at the Woodland Opera House here is that. The guy that set the fires, because there's always these old towns always had fires. The oh, guy yeah. that set the fires is still there. He doesn't want to cross over because he's afraid of what he'll face. Well, the guy that was killed, the fireman that was killed by, mm. you know, this guy's fire, he won't cross over because he knows that guy's there. So he's there to torment that guy in his afterlife. So they don't. Cross oh over. boy! Now where is this? Uh, in Woodland, California, the, uh, the, the the Woodland Opera House. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. So you got oh, that man. going on, you know? Yeah. So th that's totally understandable. Um, when you yeah. talk to the people that work at the you know, that work there, the historians, you mentioned earlier that they have had experiences there as well. What types of experiences do they have? Oh. <laughs> well, one of them really stands out. Um, there's a friend of mine, Jackie, who who volunteers there quite often. And they were doing a work day and they were having just a wonderful time with the volunteers, with the kids. And they were, they were playing eighties music and just having a grand old time. And they were, they were putting, they, they were building the sets for the haunt and painting and just being creative and listening to music. And it was great. And they took a break and went to, um, went to the, the doorway of the uh, Pollock hospital and Jackie's standing in the doorway, smiling, having a good time, watching all the volunteers, having fun. And all of a sudden, she feels someone grab her butt. And wow. she said, I felt four fingers and a thumb. <laughs> wow. And they just reached out and grabbed a healthy handful of butt. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, people get touched. <laughs> I guess so. Apparently so. Whoa. That's what I call, you know, when, when I take a psychic hit, and I mean, this is funny because when I take a psychic hit, I call it getting goosed by a ghost, but that's really getting goosed by a ghost. Yes. Jackie can testify. Yes. They, they will reach out and touch you. <laughs> Mostly it's uh, people seeing things. Um, they're, uh, what the, the, his, one of the historians mothers would, was volunteering and um, she, she went past a room and realized that the lights were on and she had been having trouble with the lights in that room and the, the light had actually, uh, the, the wiring was weird and she, she was having trouble with the lights coming on and she said something about, well, can you, can you turn the lights on for me? And the lights came on and, and it was fine by, and, and, that that was a room that they had perennially had trouble with uh -huh. but the spirits liked um chris's mom so much <laughs> that christina's mom so much that they they made the lights work for her when i was volunteering 
one of the, the times I was volunteering, I got there for an evening haunt, of course. And I was, I was playing a part in one of the sketches and I, it had been a long day and it wasn't over yet. And I wasn't feeling very sociable. So I got into costume and I just went down to where my little skit was supposed to take place, which is in the women's ward. And I brought a book with me. I'm sitting there reading and um, all of a sudden the lights go out. And I honest to gosh thought that someone had just turned the lights out earlier. And I thought to myself, well, we haven't done the, the plays yet. We haven't done the tours yet. Why are they going lights out already? And I, I just raised my voice and I said, hey, um, I'm, actually, I'm actually back here. So could you turn the lights back on, please? And the lights came back on. I'm like, hey, wow. great. I didn't think anything of it. And then at the end of the evening, I told the the tour guide, the, the girl in charge, I told her about that. And she started laughing hysterically. And she said, yes, they will turn the lights off on, on you. She said, we have been through the building, turning the lights off at the end of the day. And we'll go out to our cars and take a look back at the building. And oh, and behold, the lights in the women's ward are still on. <laughs> and we know wow. we've turned them off. So, yeah, that's that's the kind of thing that'll happen. That's interesting. And how does it compare, like, you know, to when you guys are ghost hunting? I mean, are you hearing noises and stuff and door slamming and things like that? Or, oh. or how, how do these ghosts approach you guys? Oh, absolutely. We hear door slamming all the time. Um, they're in the basement. I keep referencing the Pollock Hospital because that's the building I've had most, the most experience with. That's the building I've been in most of the time. There in the basement, there is a little electrical room off of the cold storage room, and it's got a big, heavy metal door. And that that door will manifest the sound of it slamming, and it will reverberate through the entire building. <laughs> and there was, um, gosh, it wasn't it wasn't ghost hunters. It was the Foreman brothers. It was, um, paranormal. Uh, what do they call themselves now? It used to be the Foreman brothers. It used to be the Rocky Foreman and his brothers that were there. And they heard that door slam when no one was down in the basement. There was another wonderful story that I have. Um, when the volunteers were in the Pollock Hospital, we, we can't get in there now because there's another group that has it. But mm-hmm. when they when the volunteers had that hospital to play in, they would do a lot of filming in there. And one of the things they filmed in there was a zombie movie. And they filmed a scene down in the basement, the creepy spooky basement, and there were there was a zombie down there, and it was this step drag step drag as the as the zombie was lurching across the floor and they the filmers the 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 camera crew went up they they went out of the basement they came up the stairs to the basement and no one was down in the basement and they they were making sure that no one was no one was going to be left behind or anything and they hollered down to make sure no one was down in the basement and Uh from the basement they heard step drag step 
drag these footsteps going across the basement floor and no one was down there. Oh my. Wow. <laughs> That's what I adore about the Peoria State Hospital is these spirits are intelligent. They will respond to you. They will they will mimic what you're doing. They'll 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 respond to questions. It's fantastic. That makes me want to fly to Illinois, man. I really want to check this out. <laughs> Do I'll be your native Jeez. guide. I'll show you around that the place. That would be fun. That would be fun. That, that, that would definitely be fun. So do you find and you talked about Chris, the ghost. Do you yeah. find that that, that the that the other ghosts recognize who you are? absolutely yes um i have i've written a book about one of the patients there a woman named rhoda Derry, and uh -huh. her story is so compelling and so amazing that i knew she needed her own book um she went through a whole lot in her lifetime um all sorts of neglect and abuse and she spent the last two years of her life at the peoria state hospital being cared for, being waited on hand and foot by caring nurses who knew her excruciating history. So she is one of our most beloved spirits on the hilltop. And she is one of our more intelligent spirits. And this is what really fascinates me about Rhoda Derry in particular. Her ghost lore is that she, in life, she enjoyed chewing tobacco. And at the end of her life, she was, she had spent so much time literally locked in a cage at another institution, not at the Peoria State Hospital, at a different wow. institution that her hips atrophied and she could no longer walk. So she was, she crawled around on the floor. And if she knew that you had tobacco, she would crab across the floor to you and tug on your pants leg and beg for some chewing tobacco. Mm -hmm. So now her ghost lore is that if you are anywhere on the hilltop and especially in front of her grave and you smell chewing tobacco and you feel a tugging on your pants leg, that's Rhoda trying to let you know that she's around, trying to let you know that she's there. Cool. Now, there was a there was a multi-group, multi-evening ghost hunt several years ago they were there were three groups that worked together and they were they had the pollock hospital for friday night and saturday night and i was there both nights and i told rhoda's story several times on friday night and one of the mediums in one of the groups spent all day saturday just stewing about this she said oh my gosh this woman suffered so much in life and this is so unfair that uh -huh. even in the afterlife, she's reduced to crawling around on the floor. So wow. she showed up at the Pollock Hospital for the second night of investigation on Saturday night. And she was standing in the big hallway of the Pollock. And she became aware, like I said, psychic medium. And Lisa became aware that there was somebody on the floor next to her, and she realized that it was Rhoda. Wow. And she looked down, and Rhoda looked up at her, made eye contact, and then got to her knees and then stood to her full height. Rhoda was a tall girl. 
So this spirit stood to her full height, for her full beautiful height, and sort of gestured to herself as if to say, see, I can stand. I'm a hole on the other side. I'm not crawling around on the floor because I have to. I'm crawling around on the floor because I know that that's what people expect from my spirit. She knows that people expect to feel a tugging on their pants leg. She right. knows that people expect to, to smell chewing tobacco. She knows her own ghost lore, for heaven's sake. It's amazing. So, yeah, she's not reduced to crawling around on the floor. She just realizes that if you feel a tugging on your pants leg and you smell chewing tobacco, you know that that's Rhoda Derry trying to communicate with you. So that's what she does. That is cool absolutely cool yeah it's so so fun and yeah she knows me she knows that i've written a book about her i have been to her grave many many times sometimes with a psychic medium and the the medium has told me i i came to rhoda's grave with the medium to tell rhoda that her book was out and that they they were thinking about um about doing some more things with the book and the, the medium said, Rhoda's giving you a great big hug right now. And Aww. unfortunately, I couldn't feel it. I wasn't aware of it. But the medium assured me she is she has your arms around her arms around you. She is she threw her arms around you in a great big hug because she is so grateful that you're telling her story. She absolutely knows. That so that, that's that's something I'm very humbly proud of that. There is a spirit over there that knows that I'm working to bring their story to people. Fantastic. So what's next for you? Ooh, well, I'm having tons of fun promoting the new book, Gone on Vacation. And I recently got back from a three-week ghost hunting trip to England and Scotland. So there are uh, going to be several upcoming episodes of my Lights Out podcast that focus on my ghost hunting in England and in Scotland. What I'm working on right now is I've kind of expanded my wheelhouse into true crime. Cool. Grave Deeds and Dead Plots is true crime stories that have resulted in hauntings. The project I'm working on right now is straight true crime. I am working with a co-writer, which is something fun and interesting for me. This story is so huge and so complex. It's modern. It just happened last year. So, and it's, it's straight true crime, nothing paranormal about it, but I'm really grateful to be working with a co-writer on this because I could not do this on my own and he couldn't either. We're working together and we're having a lot of fun, and it's really going to be worth it when it comes out. Um, do you remember last May in Alabama, there was a jailbreak? There was a, a an assistant director of the jail who made a break for it with one of the prisoners, uh-huh, uh-huh. Vicki White and Casey White. That's who uh-huh. we're writing about. Oh, cool. So, wow. Yeah. The whole book about Vicki and Casey. Fantastic. So, I'll have to get you on to talk about your new book too. Yeah, yeah. Talk about that a little bit further down the line, January, February. You well, bet. I want to thank you for coming on. How how can people find you? 
Okay, I am at sylviaschultz.wordpress.com, and the last name is S-H-U-L-T-S. And on the WordPress site, you can find um, episodes of Lights Out. There's a whole page dedicated to Lights Out podcasts. There's going to be another one posted very, very soon. And coming up from December 13th to December 24th, I'm going to be doing the 12 Nightmares of Christmas again. Some brand new stuff. I, I collected a fantastic story when I was in England. Um, I, I spent three weeks um, at our, our host's house. I, I traveled with a, a companion, another ghost hunter. And we uh-huh. spent three weeks at his, well, my friend's now, my friend's house too. And um, he had just tons of stuff. And he had some newspaper clippings from London newspapers that were ghost stories that happened in December. And I said, oh, I'm going to use this for 12 Nightmares of Christmas this year. So there's a really fantastic London-based ghost story coming up on Spirits of on um, Twelve Nightmares of Christmas this year, and eleven more wonderful things in store for you guys. So keep an eye out that for that. Sylviaschultz.wordpress.com. Awesome. That is awesome. Well, thank you as always. It was wonderful. I really appreciate it. And again, I'd love to get you back on to talk about your latest book. You know, maybe January, February, sometime. And uh, sounds great. I, I hope you have a great holiday. Thank you, Charlotte, and keep on reading, and I really appreciate, I, I applaud you sharing Spirits of Christmas, the stories in Spirits of Christmas with everyone, and I hope your audience enjoys them. Oh, they love them. They love them. All right, yeah. man, have a great one. Thanks, I'll be Charlotte. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. <laughs> All right, yeah, it's always fun to have her on. Love her books. She's got a lot of them. If you go over to her website, She's got just book after book after book after book that she's written. And some aren't even paranormal. So check it out. Go check out her website. Tomorrow night, uh, Nancy Matt, me and Nancy Mass is back with us. And we're going to be talking about when you make a promise to those that are no longer with us. How does that work out? Uh, how's that communication go with them and that sort of thing. So we're going to be talking about that tomorrow at 6.30 p.m. Pacific. In the meantime, I will give you some contact information for her. I have the two books that we talked about tonight listed on here. And then, like I said, I encourage you to go to her website to check out the rest of her books. She's got quite, she's got quite the library that she's written. So here we go. And um, yeah, the website is Sylvia Schultz, S-H-U-L-T-S dot WordPress dot com. And of course, Fractured Souls, that second book that she wrote. And, of course, this, what we're reading every Sunday now, The Spirit of Christmas, The Dark Side of the Holidays. And like I said, she's got a lot more books sitting over there, including her new one, which we are going to get her on to talk about. And you can get those either from her site or from Amazon. Okay, guys, I'll see you tomorrow at 6.30 p.m. Pacific. Have a great rest of your evening. <laughs>